Tandem Nomads, episode 262. You can certainly make a career out of your crazy experiences if you're willing to try. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and resources to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life as well as through any life transition. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. One of the things that I love most about what I do is the immense privilege that I have to meet with so many amazing people with amazing journeys. And the other reason why I do what I do is because I am fascinated and passionate about entrepreneurship. The thing is about entrepreneurship, we often talk about business as money generating activities, as well as marketing strategies and finance strategies and all of that. But for me, it's more than that. It's about making an impact. And being entrepreneur is about a mindset. And I am really excited to bring to you a guest that has both of that an amazing journey and that entrepreneurial mindset in so many different shades that I want to share with you today. So Amanda, thank you so much for being here. And are you ready for this ride? I am so ready. I am excited. We've been we've been trying to do this for a while. So now I'm here. So we're going to make it happen. Yes, I'm so excited. So Nomad Nation, I want to introduce you to Amanda Bates. So Amanda, as a third culture kid, she's been interested in navigating cross-cultural spaces and identity from a young age. Her American-born and African-raised perspective continues to influence her as she leads the creative direction of the Black Expat. It's a multimedia platform dedicated to changing the narrative on Black international mobility. She also hosts the Global Chatter podcast, which takes a, humor, a humorous deep dive into these conversations from underrepresented perspectives. And then when she's not talking about mobile life, she's a student affairs professional and a career professional at North Carolina State University. She's a career counselor and has her own platform and brand called Bates at Work. So much going on for you, Amanda. <laughs> it's like when you hear your bio and you go, wow, I do way too many things. <laughs> like, I'm, when do I sleep? That's the uh, question I get asked. I'm actually, that's why I wanted you here to tell us how do you do all of that? But before, there's one thing that actually we've known each other for a while from far and close from our community of global nomads around the world. There's one thing that I actually never got to ask you that I think is the perfect time is, could you give me a little bit of your personal background before we get into the entrepreneurial aspect? Tell me a little bit, a few words about your personal story that got you to do what you do today. Sure. And I think it's, I'm going to do my best to make it short. short I know like all of us, all of us have long stories. I mean, I think as you heard from the intro, I was a third culture kid, grew up in the United States and Cameroon. And then when I, you know, when I was ready to come to university, I returned to the U.S. And I say that as a starting point, because that whole experience as a TCK colored my life, right? Mm. Mobility, living with different cultures, identity, all, all the things that come with the mobile life I had at a young age. And so every professional decision I've made, it's very funny to think about it now, has been impacted because I was someone who was around nomads and I too had had a lot of moving and cross-cultural experiences. And so, you know, when people meet me and they go, oh, you grew up in Cameroon, but 
you sound very American. I'm like, yeah, because I was born in the States. <laughs> and then my parents who are from the English minority decided to move back. That's why they, they went back. They repatriated, if you will, for them. I had never lived there. But, you know, even what I chose to do in school and the education that I got, I've always had this lens of the world's a really big place, but it is a small place in the sense that it's big, but I love connecting with people. And so even the degrees that I got all, okay, I have way too many degrees, but all of them center around people. No, it's funny. Like I I was thinking about it the other day, like my undergraduate degrees are in political science and sociology, understanding people. My graduate degrees, I have an MBA and a counseling degree, understanding people to get them to do things. (laughs) Right. And and I think that that is, that is why, you know, I try to find ways to connect with people to get to the goals that they are looking for. And that's why I'm in a lot of the work that we'll talk about that I do now. What a wonderful mission statement that you have for your life. No matter what you do, it goes back to that. And actually that's very much connected to what I want to talk about in entrepreneurship <laughs> and that a lot of the people, I would say the majority of people who listen to Down Nomads, I know Nomad Nation, that you are driven by purpose and purpose mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship for me go hand in hand. But I have one more personal question before we go there. Mm-hmm. While you were talking about your journey of being American and living in Cameroon, your, your parents actually are, and you are originally from Cameroon or the other way around? My parents are English speaking from Cameroon. I was yeah. born in DC, in okay. Washington. Excellent. So it must have been difficult somehow no, to, to live in a country where you look like everybody else, but you actually are not. Yes. So I feel like that happened twice, right? <laughs> so I grew up in the U.S. I'm a minority, right? Yeah. Because Black women, all, all, and, and also my parents were, you know, this term immigrant expat. Anyway, yeah. they were whatever you use. <laughs> They were that. And then we go to the, we go back to their passport country. We're still minorities in the capital city because they weren't Francophone. They were Anglophone. Wow. And then I, I was going to the international schools. I always sound like this. My mother worked at the U.S. Embassy. So you get all those different layers. And I think that's why as a professional, I am very sensitive to diversity mm. and I'm very sensitive to people's unique experiences because we can all look the same and still have very different stories. Right. Right. And, and I think that that's probably, if you ask me what my superpower is, it's the ability to see people with their quote unquote differences and try to figure out, well, how do they come to the table? Yeah, I love that. I could talk about this for hours because I right. find like we talk about diversity a lot when people look different as a minority, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say more challenging. It's just another layer or different type of challenge when you actually look the same, but you're different. And I feel mm-hmm. like I've experienced a lot of that as well. I, I, I don't know if you tell your rocks and he's been on the show yeah. as well. He always talks about, I look, I don't look like I walk or I sound and I don't sound like I look. So it's just such a right. Right. Topic, right. So yeah, no, totally. All right. So I'm just going to move on from this topic. I just find it so fascinating, but thanks for sharing that background from there. What I want to ask you is how did all of this lead to the Black Expat that you founded, uh, I think in 2016, if I'm mm-hmm. right? It was funny. I was having a career shift in my life when, <laughs> when this was launched. I was working and I was working with students who, these were young people who had never gone to, no one in their family had gone to the university. 
So, you know, I would say to them, you know, as I was encouraging them to go to university, you should study abroad because I lived abroad Mm -hmm. and I thought my international experiences completely impacted my life. And they would say to me, well, Miss Amanda, I don't know anybody who looks like us. And they were mostly black and brown um, Americans who said, I don't know anyone who looks like us who lives abroad because they didn't grow up in communities where people lived abroad. Now, it may, for those of us who travel and do all this stuff, and you know, I was going between Cameroon or US and Cameroon during college, but if you, your family never went anywhere, you don't think, oh, there are people that look like me. Because if you think about media, how many movies do you see that does not have an, a, a non-white main character who decides to move to a different country? True. At least in English, right? Mm-hmm. So not even black, just any other <laughs> other that's not white. So at the same time, I was thinking about moving to Qatar. I was about to move to Doha. And I said, you know, I'm just going to create a site that just tells stories. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm just going to ask people to share and just normalize this. And so I created the site. And then all of a sudden it took off because apparently calling something the Black expat made people go, wait, <laughs> there, are, there are Black people who are expats. Oh, my God. And, right. Which, which should not be weird. <laughs> But it really, it started for two reasons. It started because I wanted a place for those students to actually see people that look like them who were having international lives. Mm. I also wanted it to be a place where I thought about like my mother's generation, where they moved across international borders and there's no, you don't see their stories anywhere. If you think about black and brown people that have moved, you know, during colonialism, after colonialism, well before colonialism was a thing. You don't see any of those stories. And so I thought this would be a great place to start to document and house these experiences so that even long after we're all gone, people can say, yeah, my grandmother was from Ghana <laughs> and she moved to England and, and it was normal and it's not weird. So that's that's how it really came about. This is huge. It's quite amazing how that when you think about it, that conversation was not happening on the media. I mean, it happened in, in real life, but not in the yeah. media. So I love that. So how, what did you consider the black expat to be and how did it evolve? Yeah. What is the, basically, what is the black expat and how did it evolve over time? That is a great question. Originally it was just, I have a blogging site. We have stories mm-hmm. and I've always had different stories. Like I've always had different writers up there. And then it started to become okay, now that people realize that this was a thing, we have questions. (laughs) And so then it became, we need to start offering advice. And then it became, you know, I've been doing this for a while. We need to make sure that we are a a source of reputable information. So then I started bringing coaches on, right? So people who actually have done it and, and look like the people who are asking. And I know that they know what they're talking about because they've been vetted. And then the podcast got at it because I realized the storytelling, which was so rich, you know, our attention spans have changed, right? Like we could, people used to read a lot of long text, but now we can have podcasts like yours where we can be cleaning or driving and we can listen, right? And so I was like, I want you to hear these people tell their stories because it's so much funnier when you hear them and engaging. Yeah. So it, so and I it's a lot of fun, a, by the way. Love the podcast uh, so much. No, the podca- the podca- <laughs> my podcast is, as you know, podcasts are a ton of work, but I love that thing like a child. Like mm-hmm. it, is, it is my favorite. And, and so, it, like I said, it started off as a blog and then it really became this platform and avenue for all these other resources. And then 
one of the things I started doing this year now was spinning off resources for people who are becoming digital nomads. Mm. Because what ended up happening, as you know, is that many people now are not going with a sending agency. They're going by themselves that's self-initiated. And I started to get a lot of questions about how do I build a brand? How do I build a business? How do I find the tools to do this business somewhere else? And I was like, oh, I better start compiling what I use and people I trust so that others could have that information. And so that's where <laughs> that's where all the resources started growing out of. Actually, it's just because people kept asking me, I'm moving to this country. I don't even know where to start on building a website. Where would I, where would I even find those resources? This is amazing. So much, so much resources there, by the way. So many great, interesting conversations. The question yeah. I have for you is, have you thought of this as a business or as a platform? What, what is the business model or the model of the Black Expat? I think it's both. I think in terms of the platform, it's been mission-oriented from day one, mm-hmm. right? The purpose has been, let us raise the visibility of Black people who are moving abroad and let's change the narrative and, and show their experiences. That's never going to change. I think from a business model, what's been interesting is, you know, I think in the early years, like you sort of try things, right? Because you just don't know. You don't know what what captures people's imagination, right? If anyone ever wants to have a conversation of trying things and it has failed, you could come and talk to me because I have tried a lot of things that have failed (laughs) and I'm okay with that. And I think as, as business owners and entrepreneurs, we almost have to embrace failure. Exactly. Because... How does something better come if something else doesn't die? Like if you think about like soil, right? Fertilizer, right? A lot of times we've got to let things like marinate and some really hard stuff, but we get flowers and we get vegetables and we get fruits or whatever. But now, you know, I've been doing it for a while. I figured out what are the places where people really want that contact and where, where they would like to, you know, spend their money. And so I'm fortunate with our podcast, for example, we have sponsors, you know, with my coaching membership, it is a membership. Uh, there are events that we have that, uh, you know, periodically, although COVID just, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but there are other events that we have where we definitely do charge. So I would definitely say at this point, it's a business. Like it's my love, but it's a business. <laughs> yeah, love it. And, you know, your journey, and this is why I wanted to have you here. There's so many things I want to talk about, but We'll see how much we can cover here. But there's one yeah. thing that I want to talk about for knowing our listeners is this whole thing about number one, purpose mm-hmm. and mission. And number two, actually getting to start, but also being okay with failing. And I love that you talk about that. And mm-hmm. for those who are in early stage wondering what to do with their life or their career, and there's this whole, I do help a lot of people finding their business idea, right? And it's it's going yeah deep diving into what you've actually already done in your life and what you're naturally drawn to. One of the things that I want to highlight from what you've done was to just start somewhere. Yes, It was not (laughs) a master plan that you like set and master plan the black expert to get where it is today, but you actually just said, Oh, I see a need for this. Let me see what I can do out of the cuff. And just with simple, I don't know what you had at the beginning. You just started blogging, basically, and then it evolved from where it is today. Let me say this. I, by nature, I'm a self-reflective person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I, there's a reason why I also have my, my career coaching. So I am also, <laughs> I'm also a career professional. So I spend a lot of time sitting with people thinking about purpose 
and why to do something. And you are so right. I think the two biggest barriers for people are, why are you doing this, right? So like, what in the world is gonna change by you doing this thing? And then the other thing that's a common problem is now that I've discovered my purpose, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so people get very nervous about, well, what if I do this? What if people don't like it? What if nobody comes? What if nobody buys? And and so they want to wait until everything is absolutely perfect. And then they want to start. And the reality is, is that, and I'm not going to lie, like I've, I've, I have dealt, that's why I can talk about it because I've dealt with it because I am kind of a perfectionist in my mind when it comes to things that I want to do. But like the reality is sometimes you just have to start, right? Once you figure it out, because I think the hardest part is actually the first thing mm -hmm. because you can coach someone and get them. And I've worked with clients and have gotten them to launch whatever it is that they need to launch or make the career change they need to make. But if they don't drill down why they're doing it, it is so hard to do something consistently when you do not know why you're doing it. And the reason why I say that's important is that you are a podcast host. I'm a podcast host. When you first start your podcast, let's be very honest here. Like you're laughing because you know. Yes. When you first start, if you get like 10 people listening for the amount of work you put in, you're excited, right? Mm. And But the thing is with podcasting, I'm using it as an example, it is long form content, right? Mm. And so you've got to keep doing and you got to keep doing it even when nobody or in your mind, nobody is listening, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. If I don't have a vision for why I'm doing this project, this business, or making this career change, everything else is not going to fall into place. And that's the thing I'm dealing with clients right now where, you know, like, for example, we could talk about their resume if that's the, you know, they're looking at an opportunity. And I, I say, resumes are like cars. You got to drive them somewhere. Where are you going? And they don't know where they're going. And I'm like, and that's why this is going nowhere. And it's the same thing with the business. In your mind, it has to have a purpose. And it's not the same purpose for everyone, but it has to be meaningful to you. Right. So how about those who feel like they don't know? I'm not sure there's a lot of who are listening who don't know, but just in case, I've met some people who feel like, I don't know what's my mission. What would you say to them? Sure. Here's what I say. When you're in that mindset, remember what I said about the self-reflective piece? First mm -hmm. and foremost, if you don't know what your mission is, start with what, what are you good at? Mm. What do you actually do well? Not what do you think you do well? What do you actually do well? That's like the first level. The second level is to actually ask people who know you, who love you, who've worked with you, who've collaborated with you and ask them, what do I do well? Nine times out of 10, people learn stuff about themselves they didn't even know, especially when it's with former colleagues, right? Because they'll go, you know what? You're really a team leader. You're really collaborative. You're really good with communication, right? You're really good at writing and doing this or that. And all of a sudden, then I start to see like pathways opening for that person because they're starting to see, okay, I'm good at communications. I'm really good at digital media. I'm really good at writing. And they, and they start to find something in that realm because they did not know beforehand, that's what they're good at. And so I think you have to first start with that reflection in terms of, do you know what you're good at? And what is it that people perceive that you're good at? Because if you're going to start a business reasonably, like many of us try to start businesses where at least we, we can do the thing. Some of us start to start businesses where we see an opportunity, right? Yes. And even, even with that though, you still need to figure out what is my skill set that's going to allow that opportunity to grow. 
So if you're not very organized and you're not good with numbers, for example, you probably shouldn't be in a digital accounting business. Like it doesn't make sense, even though there might be an opportunity to buy one or to leave one. And so I, a lot of it is that hard reflective stuff, but I think once you get past that, everything else is just tools. Yes, exactly. I love that. I love that. So now those who actually already started the journey, you said something that I think is really important, which is about failing, like being okay with failing. So is there Mm -hmm. any big challenge that you had along the way that you want to share in that you feel like you've grown from or a failure that you feel like you've grown from? Do you want a list? (laughs) (laughs) So, So here's when, okay, when you have a thing and people see the thing, they're like, oh, like, it's great. You're this brand, whatever. I've had people go, I was scared to reach out to you because you're already in the space. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you can reach out to me. <laughs> I have failed so many different ways. It is remarkable. I think that early on, and I think this hits a lot of us, you have to let whatever your relationship with social media go and know that that doesn't dictate how many followers, how many likes does not dictate whether your business or your program or your project is successful. And I know it's hard because we visually get a high from you know seeing numbers or seeing followers, but that's it. I think that I probably spent too long kind of being hung up on that in a way that I didn't need to be. Mm. And probably early on should have been a little bit more focused, you know, this getting techie, more SEO stuff than, than, the, right. than the actual social media numbers. I think the other thing is to understand is that not everybody is going to be part of your mission, part of your story, or necessarily helpful. And so if you have a very clear vision about what you need to do, you also need to know when to kind of block those voices where they can't really see it, or they can't really understand it, or they're just negative. Because a lot of times when we want to launch an idea and we're nervous, we'll ask everyone and their dog about whether they should do this idea. Now, there's a fine line between market research and just trying to get affirmation, right? Market research is actually the customer who would buy it, right? Affirmation is just, I feel like I need 80 people to say this is a good idea before I do it. I didn't have as much of that, but that is something that I've sort of seen in kind of some other projects that I've done where I'm like, it really doesn't matter whether they get it. I'm going to push forward anyway. I think in terms of actual failure, I am the queen of the pivot. (laughs) So something looks like it's not working. I'm okay with letting that thing go. And there's some Mm -hmm. things... There are some, I'm not going to mention exactly what they were. There are some things I should have let go earlier and I did not, but I let it go. And, and you have to, you always have to remember who is your audience, right? So if you're in the space of looking for a job and you have a resume, for example, you are not the audience it's the person reading it. Do they understand? If you have a business and you're selling a product or service, you are not the audience. It's the person buying the service or the product, right? (laughs) But too often we think about what we would want, which is fair, but that only takes it to a certain level. It is not what we necessarily want. And so like last summer, I give you an example. I did a massive survey in terms of the folks who follow the Black expat. I, I, I surveyed new ex or future expats and current expats. What I thought they wanted is content and what they wanted is content was not the same thing. (laughs) Like I thought they wanted, let me just say the more fun stuff. Do you know what they wanted? They wanted retirement information, (laughs) insurance. It was the most non-sexy stuff you've ever imagined. But I was like, they're the audience. So it doesn't matter if I want to write about, not that I would, about skiing in France. 
they don't care about that. They don't care about, you know, traveling through whatever. They are like, look, I'm a mid-level, mid-career professional. I've got family. We've got like grown people problems. This is the stuff I'm not seeing. And so like, if you are building a business or a product, or if you're applying for a job, you got to remember you're communicating what you can do for the audience, not what you think you should do for the audience. This is so big and you could not make me happier. I don't know how many episodes I've been talking about this. It's so good to have somebody else who's like, you need to listen to your people. I think there's two things I want to take away from this. And then a bigger one that's for me really important. So I would definitely highlight the fact that you need to, along this journey, you evolve, but your audience evolves as well. So this is why I keep repeating as well to all my clients and my listeners, no matter keep auditing your audience, keep auditing your clients, keep asking questions because it's not because you did it at the beginning. First of all, you should mm-hmm. do it at the beginning, but that keeps changing all the time. So this is great that you highlighted it. The second is pivoting, being willing. And honestly, now with the times we live in, pivot is the new norm. Like we should be pivoting all the time. And I see it in my own business. It's constantly pivoting two, three times a year sometimes because things are just moving too fast or things are shifting a lot. So I love that. There's one thing to be able to do all of that. I think is willing to fail is willing to make mistakes. And that's something that I don't see a lot of people willing to do. Like actually proactively say to myself, I'm going to mess up and I'm actually okay with it no matter what, because I think that's the big thing that gets people to stop from starting a business or pivoting fast enough of taking action. It's just waiting, waiting for, I don't know what, but just do it. <laughs> right. Right. Just do it. No, I mean, here's, and here's the thing. There are no sacred cows in business. Like there's what you deliver, but you also have to remember, and I love the word that you said, evolve. Mm -hmm. You are not the same business owner you were when you started. You are not the same. You are not. I am not the same. Spiritual experience is entrepreneurial thing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, I could talk all day about the mental health of running a business, but that's a whole other thing. But like, you are not the same person. And so I think we hold on tight because we're scared of change and we're scared of massive disruption. But the thing about business is that business is one big disruption. Mm. Like it's constantly, constantly changing. I mean, my God, Instagram has changed their algorithms again. And we're all trying to figure out yeah. how do we deal with it? So like, yeah, it's, you just have to accept that as part of it. So when you talk about all of this, you can, we can guess how much work there must have been around building back expat, launching your podcast. You also have your own clients as a career coach and you are a career counselor in a university. I'm sorry, but you got to tell me here, how do you do all of that? It's hard enough to just have one business, but what is your secret here? Two things. You have to be hella organized and you need to have people who support you. And that's probably for anything, (laughs) to be honest. I, you know, people ask me this question. I'll be honest. I'm an early morning person. Okay. So for me, like with the podcast, very simple. I've got someone I got to record in Singapore. We're going to be up at 4.45 a.m. my time. Now, that's not an issue for me. That's not everyone. And so I have created a system that works for me where I know certain days I'm doing certain things and I know when I'm most productive. I don't think we talk about that enough either. I am the most productive person you will ever meet from 4 a.m. until 12 p.m. I will kill it. 
when you get to me around two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, I've already been up for how many hours? I, that's, that's not the time I'm going to answer emails. Hmm. I'm going to answer emails at the start of the day. So I think you need to figure out what are your productive cycles and where do you do your most input? I am one of those people who try to do the things that I like the least first so that I get that out of the way. Okay. But secondly, I do have people around me. And so like, for example, with my own podcast, I have a podcast editor just for that. She's amazing. She's great. She's currently in Italy. She's American. Love it. So we, we make sure that we're very organized about our schedule so that there's nothing that's a surprise. On the actual Black Expat site, I got a great editor over there too, <laughs> right? And so she kind of handles a lot of those things in terms of the written content and making sure stuff is in place. Now, you know, when you are just starting out, and so these are for my people who are like, I don't have anyone helping me. If you can't delegate, then you need to kind of break up your day to make sure that the, the things that need to be done to make your business run are absolutely done. Because there's the stuff that we like, right? Like we can sit and be on TikTok all day long, but there's the stuff that we need to do that actually generates money that actually gets us, you know, further along in our business. And so if you haven't already, you got to figure out where, when are you the most productive and break your time up. And I take a lot of breaks. I am that person. I also self-care a lot on the weekends, to be honest. Like there are days of the week, usually Sunday, and I don't generally have meetings on Mondays either. Sundays and Mondays are kind of my days. So earliest you can typically have a meeting with me is on Tuesdays, unless it is a specific situation. And that's just because I usually need even more. <laughs> I, I don't like starting my Monday with meetings because that means I'm going to be anxious all weekend because I have all this stuff coming up. No, right. I start my meetings on Tuesdays. Knowing what works for you. I think this is the key, right? Because you're giving some great yep. tips here and a nomad nation, note them down if it works for you. But I do think there's something you said is Find out what works for you. This is really important. How you function, knowing yourself really well is key. Some people yeah. I can imagine who would hear you waking up at 4 a.m. is like, what? No way. I would not work up at 4 a.m. Um, but for some people, it's something else. The one thing that I've heard a lot, I do believe that kind of a discipline is necessary. The mm -hmm. argument I keep hearing to succeed in this journey is disciplines breaks my creativity. I was Chris, you know, if you've heard that and what would you answer to that? I am disciplined in the sense that I know my mission and purpose. So I'm never moving from that. Mm. I am flexible in the execution. What I am hyper-focused on is, is everything I'm doing leading to that mission. And that I have to, because for me, I need That's to have clear. a goal I'm working towards, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the third culture kid in me. Am I totally adaptable to how it happens? Absolutely. And I think that anyone that you would ask who currently works for me has worked with me would say, yeah, Amanda's like, she wants X done, but she's hella flexible about how it is done, as long as it's met to the standards of which it needs to be done. So I think you need a little bit of discipline just so that you can build that consistency and it, it, it ties in with your purpose. But like I said, if you look, if you want to have a podcast and record at like 2.50 in the afternoon, Great. I do that sometimes too. Right. But I'm not, I'm not married to the fact that I have to do certain things at a certain time. I just know what works for me is what makes me the most effective. So really is it whatever you're doing, does it make you effective? Because you can be disciplined and completely ineffective.
True. That's a very good point, Ren. So one last thing I want to ask you about, knowing that about this entrepreneurial journey, what is for you an entrepreneur? And what is the entrepreneurial journey about? Oh my God. That's such, such a big question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what is an entrepreneur? I mean, I think it's someone who, who decides that, you know what, they want to build, create, or add value. And whether that happens in a work or a program or a project, they see something or like, we can make this better. And, and this is something that, that can have value to society. Now, value can be monetary, of course. Value can also be from a societal social standpoint, correct, right? So it could be, yeah, it could be something that makes money, but also it provides shoes for people in this area. That's, you know, a social value. I think that the entrepreneurial journey is one that looks, it looks different for everyone because everyone as an entrepreneur is different. And, and we are shaped by the experiences of who we are as a person. We are shaped by the context of our lives. And I, I just say for folks that my journey and your journey doesn't have to look the same, but the one thing I will say for everyone who is an entrepreneur or aspires to be an entrepreneur, and this is the counselor in me, is that be very mindful and be very careful about your mental wellness and health. Because even though this is something that can consume you and probably will, it is not your identity. Right. Oh my God. We, should ha- that's we, need, another, say, right? we need another episode on that. All right, look, let's make you, let's schedule another one. This is a big one, Amanda. But I loved how you summarized this whole thing about being an entrepreneur is about creating value in where, whether it's through a job, a business or a nonprofit. And I think this is what I really wanted to highlight. And I'm so glad because you're doing, you're being entrepreneurial in all the different ways of entrepreneurship. I believe you're one of the few people that I know that do it in all these ways as an employee, as a consultant, as a business owner, and a nonprofit and activities that you do. I know we didn't talk about that either, but you do that as well. So um, it's just amazing that you have found your purpose, your big mission, and whatever you do leads to that one thing. It's not like you're dispersed. Everything you do is actually leading to the same point, which is that mission you have. So you said it a little bit at the beginning. How would you summarize that now? That mission? <laughs> I said it so great in the beginning. You didn't tell me it happened. Ah, here we go. I was just. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you might have to run it We're again. talking about people, right? It's. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I were to summarize, I think, honestly, and it's not the same way, you just hit it on your head. If you know your purpose, it is so much easy to take the pieces of our different chaotic lives mm. and really build something out of it because you said it for me, for when people hear you're doing a lot, I'm like, actually, I'm just doing the same thing in five different ways. Right. Love it. I am. So yeah, that's it. Fun. <laughs> so before we say goodbye, let us know what's happening in your world right now. And is there anything specific you want us to check from your work right now? please let us know where we can find you as well. Sure. I mean, everybody knows, if you know me, all roads go to the blackexpat.com. That's where you can find all the social media links, everything else. Um, if you are want to add another podcast to your fabulous listening, the global chatter with the black expat, we are on all the social media platforms. 
And it is truly, half of it is me laughing, <laughs> to be very honest. But I have the best guest on in addition to what, of course, Mel has on her show. And so if you go to the Black Expat, you can find the podcast or you could go to theglobalchatter.com. And then if you're just interested in coaching, consulting and all the other stuff I do, batesatwork.com. I have a lot of websites. I have a ton of websites. Yeah, it's amazing. And the podcast is fun. I listen to it. It's really a lot of fun. So Nomad Nation, I'll put all the information about Amanda on the show notes of this episode on tandemnomads.com slash 262. Thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing your story with us. It's It's been really amazing to listen of your journey. We could have continued for hours, but it's been, it's been a joy. This is an amazing platform. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Nomad Nation, thank you for listening. Hope you had a lot of inspiration. And remember, you have so many different ways for you to actually make an impact through entrepreneurship. The most important is that you know what is that big mission and that big thing that is leading you throughout this journey. I hope that we'll meet you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.